Okay. Okay. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, it is good to be with you. I am the option professor. Before we get started, just wanted to make sure you understood that uh, today I'll be sharing my opinions and my views on markets. I'm not making any um, recommendations or advice to anyone because obviously I don't know any of you as far as your circumstances. So um, we're not giving out advice, but we are uh, letting you know our opinions and our views on a wide variety of markets. And of course, you have stocks that you are going to uh, be uh, sharing with us, uh, and I'll share my ideas with you as well. Uh, again, always consult your brokerage firm to figure out your suitability and your risk tolerance uh, before doing anything. And that's uh, basically where you're uh, going to get that from, uh, determining that. So again, past performance, not indicative of future results. And uh, again, um, you know, uh, we're going to give you our opinions here today. All right, a uh, quick background on myself. I've been in the investment arena here for many, many decades. I've done um, hundreds and hundreds of seminars uh, countrywide to thousands and thousands of investors on the uses and risks of option trading, but also on all different types of investing because in my career, I have been uh, educated and involved with all different types from income to growth to uh, tech to speculation, the whole nine yards. So, you know, um, I feel like it's reasonable to say that I'm a very knowledgeable person in this area, and I'm going to share my expertise with this uh, here today. Um, again, we're a big proponent of hedging, uh, using uh, the options as a hedge in appropriate fashions. And so that's something we could get into later as well. Uh, right now, I'm going to... Uh, hit the chat box. And I was going to see if anyone had any uh, stocks. I guess, David, that's how we're going to find out who wants to talk about which stocks. So I'll be looking at that if I could. Uh, but right now, what I'm going to do is give you an overview on what's going on as far as I see. Okay, uh, stock market on the S&P, obviously uh, down here today, made another rally attempt uh, that has failed. Um, a lot of people are keep talking this pivot, pivot, pivot. I mean, it's like they're deaf. Uh, I don't hear the Fed talking anything about pivot or cuts, but uh, that's out there because they can, you know, they want to predict the future. You know, my feeling after all these decades is, uh, you know, those who live with uh, crystal or operate with a crystal ball is uh, destined to eat the ground glass. So I try to uh, go with uh, the trends. I try to go with what I see out there and as opposed to uh, doing a whole lot of predicting, you know, because we are just trying to be correct in our investments, not trying to uh, be the next guy who called the uh, one shot in a million. Um, the S&P, the chart speaks for itself. I'm going I'm to look at a 20 year graph here and you can see um, uh, the uh, moving averages that I use uh, are rising on the blue line, which is a, a longer term three, uh, three year. And it's holding on for dear life. Uh, this 3872 number is very big right now. You can see it penetrated it. And we're, uh, we're actually heading into a very big uh, log jam where basically you're looking at the uh, shorter term uh, average coming in at 4026 and the longer term coming in at 3872. Now we penetrated it on both sides for a while. You know, we did it in 2020, but it didn't last very long. And we did it in 2018 and we did it in 2015. So this, uh, this moving average had been violated a couple of times, but it's certainly been a heck of a nice time to buy once it penetrated and then got back above it. So again, what would make it bullish from here? Because again, it seems like everyone is talking about the lower levels. And the reason they are is look at the red line It's pointing straight down. So that is the shorter term trend, definitely pointing straight down and definitely having trouble getting through it. It got through it a little bit in the month of December when it went to 41.45, but that was short lived. So it's kind of telling us and the RSI is under 50 right now uh, on the long term graph at 48.15. 
So a lot of things are coming to head here. You know, your RSI is right around 50. You got the uh, one year versus the three coming in uh, at a similar deal. So again, earnings are coming and they're starting next Friday, right? So what are they going to be? Well, we, we, you know, revenues are probably going to be pretty good because inflation is here and, you know, you can uh, raise prices on people. So bottom line is revenues could be quite good. The question is, is what will the margins do? Have the margins been pinched? Have they had to discount inventories? Did they have to uh, do things that uh, pinch, the, pinch the profits? If that has not happened and we do not see a big drop in earnings, obviously this market could start taking off and moves above uh, 3,900 would kind of start giving us an idea that that might be happening. And certainly a move above uh, 4,000 and 4,100, which has been a big uh, wall of uh, resistance, would be very constructive. So again, uh, your VIX is down here at 22 and a half. It's been in a range of 20 and 25. You know, it's going to make a decision at some point. If it starts breaking underneath 20, I would assume we're going to blow out 4,000 and rally and wipe out all the shorts and get all the people on the sideline uh, really nervous about being out of the market. Uh, uh, conversely, if we start uh, now, we're already under an important level. I told you 3872, right? So it's already looking not good. And the red line's pointing down. That ain't good. So if this uh, if this uh, VIX starts breaking above 25, you know, you could spike to the downside pretty good on the stock market. And so it is at a very big ledge here uh, again. And I think you could build a case for it breaking either way. One is that the earnings are coming. And if the earnings come in strong because of the higher revenues and the margins weren't pinched that big. That's a surprise to people. And that's going to get some buying coming in, short covering, sideline money, whatever. Also, these algos definitely hit the weak side of the market. What does that mean? That means if this thing starts taking off, the people that are short are going to be very weak and they can be pressed out pretty good if algos come in and just buy the heck out of it and make the order imbalance so big that the guy on the other side of the trade, the seller, I mean, if he sees, you know, just to use a number, 100,000 contracts coming in and there's only, you know, 5,000 offered, you know, that's an order imbalance and he's going to raise that offer price quite a bit. So that's the kind of risk you have if, in fact, starting next Friday, these earnings start coming in much better than people think. And again, the consumer was out there spending. Um, um, the uh, services numbers were up like 15%, I think, uh, during the holiday, and, and, the, and the retail sales were up as well. So they're out there spending money. And if they're out there spending money and people are you know, charging them money, it's possible earnings could surprise on the upside. Now, again, that's not what the tape looks like today. The tape right now looks not so good because we're underneath the 3872. The VIX jumps above 25, you start blowing out 3,800, and then we're going into the soup in a very big way because that VIX might start spiking way up because it's very low in the 20 area now. Again, you have to look at both sides though, because if it starts going the other way and you lack flexibility, you're going to have a problem. So again, look at uh, uh, the numbers. You know, I'll give you a couple other numbers to look at here because I think we're in a very critical time. Uh, see, this one's starting to turn up here on the five-year. And again, getting above 3,900, 3,910 is going to be a big thing. You know, waiting for the market to turn and move these averages up have saved people a lot of money. And that's what we do here. We try to at least avoid nightmares, if not get into some great things. Avoiding nightmares is not bad. 
I mean, even if you're just rolling T-bills like we talked about for the last two years, every time you're rolling them, it seems like you're getting a higher rate. You're well into the fours on T-bills now with no uh, principal risk because it's government guaranteed. And the short end is the one paying. So you don't have duration risk and you're getting well paid. Now, if you got a lot of money, is that a bad place to be? No, but nobody's going to tell you that because there's no commission in it. You don't pay any commission to buy treasuries. You know, there's the, you don't have to be from Harvard to buy treasuries. So it's a very uh, boring, stupid thing to do. It's also been the best thing to do in the last year from the standpoint of preservation of capital and making sure your money's coming back soon, meaning short duration. Okay. But anyway, uh, so again, that's a predominantly downtrending situation, but again, it's coming into a headway. That's why I'm saying all these numbers are coming in between 39.10 and 39.32. We got another number at 38.72. This thing starts blowing out 38.72 and then starts blowing out 39.32. I mean, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth and I'm not going to stay negative on something just because it's a popular opinion. So you got to be flexible here. But this is, you know, the red line is turning up a little bit, which is a positive. But you need to get some legs. And this thing has had a hard time getting legs. Turning towards the one year, again, uh, we broke back down here. And we've got the uh, averages coming in at uh, 38.56. So that was a big number that got broke today as well. I didn't want it underneath that if you're bullish. And then again, getting above 39.30, 39.60. That'll open the door for a lot of stuff. So again, you don't have to be the first guy at the party. You just want to make sure the party is gone, right? So, uh, you know, be a little patient out there. You know, don't, be, uh, don't let money burn a hole in your pocket. You know, it's uh, hard enough to make it. You can throw it out the window pretty fast if you lack patience. Um, so anyway, that's the story on S&P as I see it right now. You know, it's very much at a very critical point. It looks very much like it's giving it up. Why? Because Kashkari, the guy from the Fed, is talking about way over 5% and leaving it there for a long time. The jobs numbers aren't breaking. They're not breaking. Now we got a jobs report tomorrow. Is that going to show a big break? You know, if you look at these tech firms that are laying off, all they're doing is giving back some of the excessive hiring they did during the COVID. They're, you know, if you look at pre-COVID levels, they're still way above it. They're just throwing back some fish that they bought um, uh, after the uh, after the uh, big COVID rush. Okay, so let's not take it too crazy about these cuts you hear about tech. And of course, Texas is on the defensive. Why is it on the defensive? Because there's a macro slowdown potential coming up. And that means things like cybersecurity and cloud, which everybody thinks everyone's going to run into like crazy people. And maybe that's not going to be as popular as it was supposed to be because, you know, people are going to get a little more conservative about uh, uh, spending. And uh, if, if things are slowing down substantially, you know, maybe they wouldn't go into the cybersecurity and the cloud uh, uh, stuff as much as they would. And again, that's not the way the price, that's why Microsoft's getting whacked maybe, right? Because people are starting to say, you know, Azure is a great deal, but, uh, you know, um, our business is slowing down and I don't think I have time to fool around with data entry right now. I'm more concerned about where I'm going to be. You know, Bed Bath & Beyond give you an idea that some of the zombie companies might be going belly up. Uh, so, and how many more uh, companies have been existing on free money, meaning interest rates were very low. I mean, the darn interest rates have only been going up for less than a year. So uh, this is a pretty new phenomenon to these companies that used to get free money. So, you know, are we going to see, like Buffett says, uh, who's swimming naked when the tide changed this year? Probably. So is Bed Bath beyond the end of the story or the beginning? Now, that's an answer you have to answer for yourself. But um, 
again, so that's uh, some of the stuff. Now, again, uh, earnings is going to be real big starting next Friday. Uh, the other thing is, is the jobs report. You know, the claims today, obviously, uh, and the jolts report. I mean, there's still a ton of jobs available. So it's kind of hard to get everyone to uh, stop spending money when they're working and they're getting wage increases and that kind of thing. So that's the that's what the Fed's and that's why uh, these guys come out and say, hey, guys, you're easing monetary conditions here every time you rally. Do you understand that? And when you do that, it's harder for us to get this thing to slow down. Do you get that? And that's kind of what they're talking about. That's what the FOMC meeting uh, uh, notes were all about. So that's basically what you're looking at right now. Uh, let me hit the board here and see if Mr. Chat's got anything. Okay, SLV. Okay, well, I was going to get into metals, but let's get into the metals right away. Okay, um, let me uh, put up uh, the scenario on the gold because we've been very good with the gold here. But it is into an area where it could fade, so that's why you got to be careful. But it's starting to look pretty darn good. Again, uh, we have a lot of gold shares that we've been involved in, and uh, they've all done great. So uh, here's the deal. Uh, you can see right now a traffic jam. Traffic jam is right around 1800, right? 17, uh, 1798, 1792, 1794. That's called a traffic jam. Okay, RSI's at 55. That's a good thing. Blue line is rising. That's a good thing. But again, you saw here where it can go up for a little bit and then go right back into the tank. So we have to be a little bit careful here. But if you had to, you know, if you had to make a statement about gold, as long as it can stay above 1790 and keep giving us closes above 1790, you know, it's very possible that it uh, that has a very, very big future ahead. Again, many of the uh, mining shares uh, have done great that we, uh, we have. I'll show you a couple of the index ones like SLV. But behind the curtain, there's a lot of individual issues that are outstanding in our opinion. And of course, we can share those with you. But let's just look at, uh, so anyway, that's the story there, okay? So again, that's where we want it to stay above. Uh, if we go to the five-year, uh, again, breaking out. The blue line's not turning up though, right? And uh, so again, uh, this could be a check back situation. You know, can't, because you got a situation here where uh, you just did a high of 18. Uh, our range for the resistance was 1875 to 1950. That's the resistance called the last call for alcohol. Meaning if they get through that number, you're probably, you might even go parabolic on the upside. But if you can't, this could be a neighborhood where it rolls over. So anyway, uh, and, and if you notice, we said 1875 to 1950. Look what the high was uh, lately, 1860. So it, it got up towards that neighborhood. But again, uh, it has now lost altitude by about, uh, what, uh, 25 bucks off that price. Okay. So again, you know, the blue line pointing down is not a good thing. The red line gives us our buy signal originally at 1700. So 1700, you get long. That's when we started buying uh, the gold shares. And obviously the gold shares have done very good. Up here, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit, you know, dodgy on it because again, it ran, ran into the 1875, 1950. Uh, these guys uh, at the Fed, uh, they're not kidding around. Um, I don't know that gold going to 2000 or 2100 is on their docket as far as how to get into, uh, how to get inflation down to 2%. So, uh, and again, they wear you out with higher interest rates. They wear you out the longer they keep it. That's why they're saying we're going to keep it up there longer. Cause if you think we're going away and you're going to get off on a scot-free, we remember the seventies and we're not going to let you do that. So the bottom line is, is that if they're going to wear you out and if this uh, economy is going to pull back and, and the boat's going to look like the Titanic, you know, everyone's coming down. 
Okay. So you got to remember that. That's why the T bills rolling them at 4% or better, getting your money back every 30, 60, 90 days. You know, that is not a terrible place to park while you see exactly how much they're going to bring this thing down. And maybe stop worrying about these rebound rallies that don't last very long and you get caught in a rainstorm. Okay. So anyway, uh, there you go there. And what's the one year telling me? One year is telling me that uh, we've got uh, some uh, support right here. So you want it, like I say, the big thing is stay above 1790. The next thing is stay above 1800. So there's your two good lines in the sand. And the, and the shortest term one we would work with is the red one, which comes in at 1823. And what do we see? Today's low was 1829. So again, if you were trying to trade it, you know, trading it on the drop into the 1820s and getting out of it at under 1823, you know, that so far has been a reasonable thing. If you're doing short-term trading, I like to look at the one month. So obviously here you get a buy around 1810 and their line keeps running up and it rolls over at 1860. So right now, 1850 is a very good resistance zone. So if you do rally up towards there and it fails, that wouldn't be very good for the bulls. Again, uh, central banks have been buying this gold for a long time. Uh, and again, we are a believer in the mining shares at lower levels because that's when we were talking about them and that's when we were uh, positioning. But the point is, is that up at this level, you know, kind of like when gold, uh, when oil shares go through the roof, you know, that might not be the time to buy them. It's maybe after they have a big correction. Right. So I don't know if we're going to again, if we get above um, uh, 1875 and 1950 on the gold, everything's going to go parabolic with the Fed talking like the, they are. Is that the high probability? I would say uh, that jury is definitely still out. Um, silver. Let's talk about the silver here. Well, before we leave, let me show you two of the gold uh, stock things. These are big, broad-based. Uh, these are big, broad-based uh, gold uh, situations. You know, every time gold has a big move, you know, everyone gets very, very excited. And again, one day it may very well be, and it may be in that day, because again, you soften a long-term graph, you know, broke above that 1790, 1800 level. So it is in a position where it could go parabolic on the upside. But again, you know, this is, uh, let's talk about this. You know, this thing uh, has resistance right here at uh, 3242. Uh, the the, the uh, intermediate trend is at 30, uh, uh, 3115. So they're still inverted to the downside and the red line still underneath there. So again, you know, this, is, this was a reversion to the mean trade as far as I can see. Right. And until now, the RSI is trying to break above 50. So that's good. But, you know, if this thing stops here and starts tanking again, you know, I don't really want to be in that rainstorm. So the bottom line is I would keep things on a fairly short leash. You certainly want it staying above the red line, which is 2950. Uh, Let's take a look at the five year. Again, the blue line's pointing straight down. The red gave you a buy signal at 24. So you got a nice trade out of it. Just like you got a trade here from 30 bucks up to 42, but ultimately it came back down. Okay, so the bottom line is, is right now you want this thing staying above 28 bucks, 27.82. Okay, and then basically on the one year, you wanna keep it on the shortest leash, you know, 29 bucks, somewhere around 29 bucks, you want it to stay above there. Uh, you might also look at the juniors. Again, we have individual stocks that we follow and that we have uh, an opinion on, um, but I'm giving you the broad-based uh, ETF. 
again, you know, on the one year, you got a nice buy signal at 30. You're still going on it as long as it stays above 36. On intermediates, got a nice buy signal on the red line around 30. And again, uh, you want to stay in above here about 34 and a half, 34 bucks. And on the one year, shortest leash, around 36 bucks. Somewhere around there. Okay, on the silver, that was one of the questions out there. So let's take a look. These are silver miners. Well, let's look at the price of silver first. Silver is a little bit wilder than the gold uh, because it's undervalued basis stocks and basis gold. There is a company that has these relationships, you know, uh, um, the uh, interest uh, uh, inflation versus M2 money supply. They might have it growth versus value stocks. They also have it silver against gold and uh, gold and stocks. And if you look at that relationship historically, big long chart, long-term chart, it seems to me, opinion here, that uh, silver is undervalued to both stocks and to the um, and to the gold. So let's take a look and see if we can see what silver prices look like they're doing. So a little thinner than gold, so the price swings are a little wilder. So if you're going to do the silver, you got to have a little bit more of a stomach for the volatility. All right, on your 20-year graph, you know it does look like it's above the averages here. So where, do, if you're bullish, what do you want it to do? You want it to stay above uh, 2250, 23 bucks. Okay, so stay above uh, 2250, 23 bucks. Uh, I think those would be important levels. And certainly, if you broke under 2150, that would be very, very negative. Okay, on your five-year graph, what do you want to do with the silver here? Uh, again, you want it to stay above 22 bucks. And if you are on the one year, it already broke down under here. So now you've got you've been warned. Uh, you want it to stay above around 23 bucks, and you would love to see it get back above 24 as soon as possible. All right, so that's the price of silver. Now let's look at the mining shares. All right, on the mining shares, on the 20-year graph, uh, these things don't go back that far, so I think we go to shorter ones. Well, you got something here. Again, you're barely getting above here on the mining shares, so again, those, uh, you know, this is a reversion to the mean trade. You have to understand there's a difference, and this is my view, there's a difference between uh, reversion to the mean trade and you're in a bull market. Okay, so as far as I can see right now, it's still a jury out on whether we're in a bull market or it's a reversion trade. It's getting close to turning into a bull market. I'll give it that. But right now, it still would be categorized pretty much as a reversion trade. But watch it closely because it could be ready to go. At any rate, uh, but people get so excited every time it pops up, you wonder if there's not going to be what they call a pullback and a, a, and a, full, and a filling up. Th some. So here you go. Uh, on the long-term graph, you want to stay above 28 bucks right here. And if it gets going, you could go up towards 36. Uh, where's your RSI on this thing? RSI is at 45. It's under 50. That's not good. All right, here you go. Uh, a nice buy signal here at 24 bucks. So you got a nice trade out of it. Now you want it to stay above 27.70. Blue line still pointing down. You know, if you notice where you're going to make the big money here, the blue line ain't pointing down, is it? I'm not in a hurry just to do trades. You know, you have money. You, you don't want to lose it. If that's your attitude, you got to be careful. And 
careful. You know, sometimes you'll miss an opportunity. So be it. You still got the money. And if you do catch the opportunity, you have money plus the opportunity. So that's why, uh, you know, we try to uh, promote the idea of uh, take it easy out there, you know. Um, uh, there you go on uh, on the silver. So, again, you got it right there. On the one-year graph on uh, SIL, the mining shares, again, uh, right in here, you know, it's, uh, it's tugging the line here. You got a high surrounded by lower highs now, now so you got to be a little careful. Getting back above 30 would be very, very good for this. But again, if you start blowing out 28, I think there's, uh, you know, something's changed, right? Something changed. High surrounded by lower highs. Obviously, you got your first warning signal here. All right. What about those juniors? S-I-L-J. Juniors. The juniors on a 20-year basis, what are they doing? The juniors are barely getting above the line here, so you want it to stay above 1077. It's doing that right now, but that's a leash that that's a point of concern, 1077. Go over to your five year. Uh, definitely would like to stay above 1043. Um, and um, all the way down to 987. On the one year, they're all meeting up here, so you better not get under 1050. And you got a high surrounded by lower high, so you got to be careful. So you start breaking under 1050, something's changed. So it could be a bull market has been postponed temporarily. So uh, be careful on that. You know, hedging techniques, uh, you know, that uh, you could price out is obviously selling calls. Uh, again, they all have risk to it. You know, if you sell calls and it goes through the roof, you know, obviously you're capping your upside. Um, you could sell calls and buy puts, and that means you're at least going to bracket the market with a ceiling and a floor until the options expire. Uh, or you could replace if say you bought uh, way down here at nine uh, back in November, and now it's up here. So you might have a big gain. So you take your gain and you buy some calls at 1150, six months out, a year out. And now you got a position in case it takes off and if it comes back down. The only thing you got at risk is your call positions up here. I've been doing this for a long time, so this kind of stuff comes right off of my lips, okay? If you have questions on this stuff, again, there's a use and a risk to every strategy, and you should understand both before you uh, entertain them. But there are things to do to risk manage when you either caught the fish and you want to get it on the boat, or you're concerned the fish is going to bite you and you want to do something to reduce your risk. The other thing uh, that people don't do often enough, I don't think, is uh, to leg into a call spreads. You buy your calls at $9 and you bought the $10 calls and say you bought the $10 calls for five bucks. And those calls, uh, you know, now you can sell the 1150 call for five bucks. So if you do that, you got a free spread meaning whatever you paid for the lower strike has been received by um, the sell of the higher price call. So if the market keeps going, you'll, you can get the difference between the two strikes. If it goes in the tank, you can't uh, come out on a negative because uh, the one you sold will go to zero, offsetting the one you bought. Now, this is the kind of stuff that if you've done it for 40 years, it's not exactly let's go get the Encyclopedia Britannica out and look it up. And so when I look at things, I, I have um, uh, like a quarterback, I have a view of the field and I have a view of the field and there's a lot of things you can do. And some of them are more risky than others. And then I know exactly what the risk is I'm going to look at. So then I can choose which of the receivers I want to throw to, right? And that's a little bit similar when you're working with options and there are a number of strategies at your disposal. But if you have no 
uh, strategies at your disposal, then your playbook is pretty skinny. And that's a problem. So that's why optionprofessor.com, you know, we're going to be available this year to people for them to call us up, ask us questions. And we do not give advice, but we are allowed to voice our opinion in that if we had this situation, what would some of the alternatives be? And what are the pros and cons of those alternatives? Then once you understand that, you can proceed at your own pace, depending upon your suitability and risk tolerance. Right? Right. Okay. So there you got the silver and gold, and now a guy wants to talk about XLK. Here's the big tip, and uh, I, I got uh, 30 more minutes to go, thank God, because I have some things to share with you. Um, XLK is tech. Tech, consu uh, 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 tech, consumer discretionary, and communications were the big leaders for a long time when money costs nothing. Those leaders have been replaced. And we told people about this, the people who uh, use our services, a long time ago, long, long time ago, like November of 2021, when it was clear based on these charts that we use of long-term relationships that it was time to dump growth, which means tech, and high PEs, and go into value, which are lower PEs and good dividends. And then we got one trade out of it because back in May of this year, you were going to switch into it meaning out of value into tech, because tech was in the toilet and the relationship was turning the other way. But by August, that relationship re-engaged and it was time to dump tech and dump growth and go back into value. Get your dividends, get your low PEs, get your staples, get your things like that and take it easy. So that's the story that we've seen and we don't see any change in it because like Kush Kerry said, they ain't changing their minds. Okay, and the employment picture hasn't given them any evidence and they're not getting party hats out because inflation was nine and now it's seven because Fed funds is four and a quarter. Do the math, seven and four and a quarter. That seems like a negative relationship still. And the M2 money supply has collapsed, which means they're draining liquidity. And what does that mean? That means in 2021, M2 money growth was up at 25% and now it's at what? Zero. Does that sound like a drop in liquidity? Of course. And what has happened to your asset prices? Bam, they dropped too. What about those rolling T-bills with a lot of your money? That's worked out pretty good because you haven't lost money in real estate there. You haven't lost money in tech. You haven't lost money in stocks. You haven't lost money in uh, crypto. And you got your money, plus you're getting a good income. Now, that's the, my idea of a good time. Now, the stuff that you're going to take a chance with would not be XLK for the last year, right? Right. Okay. So let's talk about um, XLK. That doesn't mean it can't rally. Again, I'm not from the school of let's catch every bear market bounce. You know, I'm not that uh, hyper on having to do that. I think if you are hyper on having to do that, you might have a very bad result because hyper sometimes doesn't work out so good. So here's the deal. Let's go start with the 20 year graph. Okay. Again, this thing can't get above the blue line. It can't get above it right now, right? And where's the blue line come in? Comes in at 132. It can't get above the red line. Tried to, when did it try to? It tried to get above the red line in December. Where was the red line? It was at 139 and change. And what was the high? 139 and change. Wow, I wonder why. And then it tried to do it when it went crazy back there in July. And it went, all, excuse me, in August. 
and it went all the way to 151.86. And where was the red line? 151.41. Oh, I'm sorry. It penetrated it by 40 cents. Apologize for that. Where was it pointing? Straight down. What happens when it's pointing straight down? The same thing sometimes that when it's pointing straight up. Okay. So let's take a look at uh, XLK. Now, like I say, I am not on one side or the other. There was a guy on TV talking and I was just saying, yes, sir, I agree. We're not in the business of being right on every single thing as far as predictions. You know, we're not in the uh, Swami, uh, you know, uh, business with crystal balls. We're trying to follow money, right? Follow money. That's why, you know, you try to be long when it's going up and you try to be out when it's going down, right? So right now, this thing is still in trouble, Okay. And the red line, if it can get above there, you know, at least I would start looking at it again. And where's that? 128. So you can get back above 128, call me, right? Then I'd be interested at least looking, right? Now let's talk about the one year. And the one year is pointing straight down. So you got to get above there at least 125. And you got to get these things pointing up. You get it? When they're pointing down, it's not going to work out well for you. Oh, but what about this rally? That's not what I'm playing for. Okay. Now, if you're doing that, you got to do a short-term graph, and that's when you use the one month. So on the one month, you know, you got a, you got a little buy signal here, and you got a little sell, sell signal there. You got a little goof up here. It started going on both sides, but it never really started to point up, and it still hasn't. So all of these little rallies here, and this little rally here was just to fill the gap. So again, uh, my opinion on it is uh, I'm in no rush. How does that sound? That's a good opinion, right? I have no rush to jump in here. Now let's talk a little bit uh, of the macro stuff here. Cause again, you know, um, uh, consumer discretionary, like I said, tech and communications represents a big part of those indexes. Okay. So that's why the indexes are having a hard time doing anything because there's, they're heavily weighted to that stuff. Tesla obviously was in there too. And that fell out of bed again. Uh, the PEs have all been compressed. The question is, are they compressed enough? And that comes down to what? What are earnings going to be this year? They're supposed to be like 230. Some people are saying they're going to be around two bucks. Uh, PE ratio is around 18, 19, whatever. Is it going to go back to 16? Duke, simple math. If we go down towards two bucks on uh, earnings and it's 16 to one, you're at 3,200 on the s I don't make these numbers up. They are what they are, right? Okay, so... Uh, what could be a surprise? And I already mentioned it. These earnings could maybe not come down at all. And for whatever reason, interest rates could go down. Let me show you that right now. This is the 10-year note. It is when I put up the right thing. Hold on. All right, come on. 10-year treasury. Now, listen, in 2020, we made a very big case that these interest rates were going to have to go back up because of why? Because first of all, the Fed uh, started um, uh, um, hiking or reducing their uh, balance sheet and things, or, you know, doing all tightening, whatever you want to call it, around November of last year, and not last year, the year before now. Okay. Now here's your 10-year note. Let's go to the 20-year graph. Now this is very, very overbought. That's why you're getting a dip in yields, okay? Just like you got one here. You remember, um, people don't even remember. In June, you went from here down to here and that's why the stock market went through the roof, right? But that was all, but then the Fed goes what? Hey guys, you're, you're easing monetary conditions. We're trying to bring down inflation, get out of here. And the next thing they did after they came back from Jackson Hole is they jumped this thing all the way up here. 
Now, again, it is very overbought again, just like it was in June. So you had a big correction down, down to as low as 340 from about 430. Okay. But what are they saying again? Unwarranted easing of financial conditions. That's not my language. Go look at the Fed minutes. So now it's back up to here. If it goes back above four, then I think it's going to take a run at, obviously, new highs even. Because again, uh, you're, you're looking at Fed funds well, well above 5%, according to some of these people. Now, what's the risk? The risk is the numbers start really coming off and the inflation starts really tanking and the economy starts busting out with losing jobs. Anything can happen. I've been around for 40 years. Anything can and will happen, right? So what will happen then is you could come down to 3% or you could even come down to two and a half. And that would shock the world and that would send the stock market up dramatically. Is that high probability? Not unless we get an event that causes them to have to do that. Now let's look at the five-year. This is on your yield on treasuries. Okay, can you see I told you if it gets above 390 here, well, actually it's getting above 380, but getting above $4, 4%. Now, again, if you break 340, <coughs> it will increase the odds of going even further down. So there you go, 340, 390. That's your window. Whichever way it breaks, that's the way we're going to go. Look at the one year. And again, the last time it pulled back, it didn't break the blue line. See, pull back, didn't break the blue line. So that's why this number here is very big. And that's at 336. Okay, let's look at the one year real quick. And again, getting back above the red line that's rising, because that means rising interest rates, comes in at 375, which we broke today, but now we're back underneath it. Breaking under 360 might put 340 at jeopardy. And some people might call this a one down, a two up, and the three moves going to be coming down. And again, then you go into the 3%, 320 possibility. And that would give you the rally. That would give you the rally. And again, um, so anyway, I, I don't want to run out of time here. So that's the story on the rate market. Now, again, let me go around and tell you some of the things that we've been very keen on. We're keen on getting paid. What does that mean? That means we like to buy the treasury bills at over 4% with short-term duration. And we like to buy stocks that pay dividends because then if the movie stinks, at least you're getting paid to watch the movie. But again, companies that have low PE ratios and that are on, uh, shall we say, uh, businesses where the consumer needs to buy it versus just has a frivolous desire to buy it is a difference. So. Uh, a lot of international markets are uh, getting popular. So let me run through those real quick. Um, you know, 70% uh, of the overseas markets outperformed the uh, U.S. stock market last year, 70%. And the biggest uh, runners, I think, was Brazil, India, and some other one, uh, maybe England. Uh, so again, valuations are different over there. They've gotten murdered by that strong dollar. And so bottom lines, there could be an opportunity there. Let's take a look. VYMI is a high dividend ETF. This is all examples. Again, we're not recommending anything to anybody here, just opinions. I'm sharing opinions. 
Okay, you can see this thing gave you a buy signal here at uh, 53. Uh, this thing yields over 4%. And uh, so far, so good, it looks okay. If you look at the five-year, the five-year again, still looks sloppy though. So that's why, you know, you got to be nervous on everything because these blue lines are still pointing down. But you did get the buy signal at 56, so you got a little juice in here. So as long as it can stay above 58, you know, you can still make a case it looks pretty good. Okay, and that's international high yield. Um, let's talk about um, dividends here. Now, again, we've got individual uh, things we look at that we have opinions on. I'm giving you broad based stuff, we, but you know, people who talk to us, we could give you that. So anyway, this thing again is uh, holding on for dear life as well, but it pays good dividend here, like over four, almost 5% dividend. So, I mean, this thing is uh, going, uh, looking like it's okay as long as it stays above 40. But again, if they hike these rates, they want the stuff to drop, everything is probably going to drop. So that's what you gotta be concerned about. Uh, but at least here you're getting a dividend. Um, with regards to um, uh, a couple of other ones, uh, people are uh, looking at healthcare. Okay, so healthcare, this is a 20 year graph. Obviously, healthcare has been a great place to be and still is. As long as this thing stays above 130, I'm all for it. Okay, let's go through the other ones here um, uh, Staples, XLP. Staples. That's your, you know, your uh, General Mills and your Procter and Gambles and those kind of guys. Coca Cola, okay. And this one has been good too, right? But it's starting to weaken a little bit. But it's held, it's held the blue line pretty good. But you can, you can see these are the areas where if you were in this last year, obviously you didn't have the terrible result that the people that were linked to the indexes over in tech. Indexes and tech are one and the same. So that's the problem. This is the stuff that where you were, uh, this is the value stuff that I was talking about. Okay, um, then you got some utilities here. What are they doing? Boring stuff, but you know, is it exciting to lose your money? I don't so. Uh, okay, and there you go, another one that's been above the blue line the whole time. Again, all of them look like they're faltering a little bit. And again, if we do go in the soup with a very big slowdown, it'll be hard, you'll be hard pressed to find uh, the one-eyed man in the valley of the blind. Um, okay, international, there's a couple here that uh, I think uh, have been very good to, to us. Um, one is Mexico. Don't forget, we're doing this onshoring. These guys might make out like bandits with that. Okay, uh, it looks like the blue line's trying to turn up. Again, as long as you can stay above the 45 and 50 number, you know, maybe it'll be all right. Again, it looks a lot better uh, than, uh, than a lot of other things. Let's take a look at uh, another one that just had a new president. Um, and I guess the old president is in Miami, which many South Americans end up, I guess. Uh, so this one here needs to get on the bicycle a little bit. I would be more interested in this if it broke above 35. So this is no sale right now. And how about India? Now, India, again, is looking pretty good. It got to stay above 40. And it's been doing pretty good. But again, all of it, all of it, and the red line's pointing down. You know, so again, I'm not in a hurry. You want to be in a hurry, you're probably not going to be very happy about being in a hurry. Um, 
you know, China, again, it's a reversion trade. Let me tell you about China. You know, they are opening up everything and they're trying to stimulate everything because they didn't spend all that stimulus money during COVID. OK, so now they got money. They're going to add to real estate. They're going to add to everything. But again, this is the reversion trade, well, like a poster child of reversion trade. OK, it's down here at 20. The moving averages are up here at 40. I mean, what do you think it's going to do if they start stimulating and letting everybody out of their apartments? It's going to have a pop. You know what happens when you let everybody out of your apartment and you don't have the medical background or the or the uh, or the vaccines? You're going to have a lot of problems. OK, and, you know, people now are staying in their apartments voluntarily. One guy was on TV. He lives in Beijing. He said a year ago, I couldn't find a guy who knew anybody who had covid. Now, everybody I talk to has it. That's a big change. So again, I think the road out is going to be a little bumpy here. Okay. Um, uh, T-U-R. Turkey. Well, uh, I'm, I've got money to spend, but, uh, you know, Turkey's a rough one, but it looks good. I mean, if I had to trade it, I obviously would have got long hair in the 20s and I'm in there at 34. So again, you know, it looks pretty good. Um, and maybe it's a situation where the news is going to change. Obviously, somebody's betting that way. But, uh, you know, it's probably a very thin market. So, you know, if the algos start pressing the sell, uh, the sell side by putting in a ton of buy orders, you know, the guy on the sell side is going to raise the offer. Once he gets everybody in at 38 bucks and, the, and this, this is that overbought. Uh, so I would say use 38 bucks as your beacon. And if it can't take that out over the next week or two, uh, I'd probably make some plans that it might come back and, uh, and fill some of this stuff. You got a big gap there to fill. You got a gap there to fill. So again, good trade if you got in there. And again, and then the, you know, the moving average did tell you to get in there uh, with regards to the turn up. But uh, you know, at this point, you know, I got things to do with my money. Turkey's probably not going to be one of them. Um, okay. Um, all right. So let's get into a couple of other things before we run out of time, because it's important. Uh, first thing is on energy. Okay. Now let's look at crude, because we've been very, very good on crude. Crude. Okay, uh, crude. Okay, okay. We go up here at 105. You see, when it's way away from the averages, that's called way overbought. And we were thinking a reversion to the mean. Now we got way down to 70. The averages are up here. So again, reversion back to the mean. Having trouble at 80, right? Why? Because there's averages right there. And more trouble at 85. So again, we thought this rally would also fail because of why? Because it was right around the, it could not really stay above the blue line and the blue line's pointing down. So energy, again, everyone's talking about 100 and 120. Hey, listen, I'm not a predictor. When it starts getting above these numbers and the numbers start turning up, I'll play ball. I'm not going to play ball because the strategic uh, reserves have to be filled and China's going to buy all this oil and blah, blah, blah. Those are called fairy tales at this point. When they actually start you know, showing up and the prices turn up, listen, when it goes back into an uptrend, you got a lot of movement to have. If you're just getting bear market rallies, that's a problem. Now, I'm going to show you one other thing here which is something that we talked about to people that were listening, Goldman Sachs Commodity Index. Commodity Index. GD, uh, I don't have it. Let me just see if I can get it real quick. Uh, GD, 
Roman sex. Come on. Okay. Anyway, uh, I don't have it right in front of me. I'd have to look up the symbol. I don't have time to do it. So uh, bottom line, our position was it topped out about 900 in 2008, and it went way down. And then the commodities bottomed in 2020 April and had a big rally. That rally this year had two attempts to take out 899. One was 830, 846. That was, I think, early in the year. And then uh, later in the year at 831. That index is now under 600. So the commodity sector uh, with oil has very much gone way down. We're monitoring that. When we see it go down to the support on the commodity index from Goldman Sachs, we will then talk about going back into the energy market because it might have value at that point. But there is some more to drop possibly. And that's why we're not keen on it right this second. Okay. Uh, and again, uh, I think 60% of uh, the Goldman Sachs index is oil. So as oil goes, so does that index. Okay. All right. So um, just real quick here. Let me make sure I can get all this stuff in. Okay, here's your XLE. Uh, again, you know, again, my problem is it's, you know, way away from the averages. So a reversion to the mean, we had one here, right? Then we had another rally. They make a little high to stop everybody out. And then what? You know, and by the way, this is your 2014, it actually took out on the oil, the 2008 high, but it couldn't take out the 2014 high. Now, again, so there's vulnerability on XLE, but uh, 80 seems to be a support. And then if it breaks that, you know, you could go down back towards 65. So, again, you know, what we've been uh, talking about to people up here at 90s is to sell calls against your stuff or sell calls and buy puts to try to lock in some of these gains. OK, but you want to do it on strength. You don't want to do it after it drops down to 70 and start selling calls. That's that's silly. OK, so, again, that's your and then you uh, there's two other ones that we watch. Uh, one is XOP, which is your ENP, Exploration and Production. Again, another story here. Another story here where, again, if you can get back above here at 136, it would be very interesting to us. It's certainly got a lot more potential than XLE from the standpoint of, uh, look at this chart. You know, it, it has a lot more air to fill up here. So that's interesting. But right now, I want it above 136 or don't even talk to me. Now, let it, and here's the other one, which might be the best one on the board, and this is servicing. And in there, you go with um, OIH. And these are the servicers. You know, they're going to need oil, right? And so what, uh, what did I do here? OIH. There you go. They're going to need servicing. Halliburton Schlumberger. Why do you think those guys are doing good? Because they're going to need these people. Look, it's up today, right? So the bottom line is this is where the, this, this is very intriguing to me. And there are stocks behind the curtain here that we're interested in. At the end of the broadcast, I'll give you the contact information. You want to pick up uh, the phone or you want to give us a call or I'll give you a call, whatever. Just let us know. Um, but again, there's some excitement in that one for sure. Now, here's another one that's exciting. And these are called industrial metals. Okay, and I've got a whole pack of them here that I think look quite good. But take a look at this. This is uh, the ETF on it. Gave us the buy signal at 20 bucks here, came down and tested the lines, buy it again, gets way overbought. We don't want any part of it, comes back down. We want parts of it. And now it's back on the bicycle potentially. This we think has potential. Why? Because it's industrial metals, copper, you know, iron, steel, you know, stuff you're going to build infrastructure with, something China will be building things with, right? At some point. 
So we think there's quite a bit of potential there. And behind the curtain, we have individual issues that we think look quite good as well. So that area there is a, is a very much interest to us. Uh, what we're not interested in is yesterday's heroes, which is your tech, your consumer discretionary, and things like that. Now, there are a couple of special uh, situations that we are eye eyeballing. One of them is this Paramount company. You know, I mean... I don't know. It still looks kind of lousy. It might only be a reversion trade, but uh, you got a low there surrounded by higher lows. So your exit uh, on this thing, you know, uh, would, you know, your line in the sand, shall we say, is at 1529. Um, last month, uh, the low was uh, 1607. So again, higher low. And then you've got another low here this month of 1687. Um, these guys, the valuation is quite low. They, they got Paramount, they got CBS, they got Viacom, and they got a lot of stuff. But they also have people running the companies who, I guess, are, uh, shall we say, uh, you know, sticks in the mud a little bit. You know, they, they're hard to work with. I don't know exactly what it is, but, you know, that's, that's been the problem a little bit. Um, but uh, they're growing their subscribers on their streaming stuff. And, uh, you know, we're interested in it because, you know, uh, 100 was a joke. You know, another example of why you don't chase things. And then basically now that it's down here, it's got potential on a throwback to 26 or 30. And, uh, you know, let's see on the one year graph. <coughs> yeah, I got a little bit of a buy signal here. Not much, but a little. It's something to eyeball and keep an eye on because, again, if it gets moving, there's a lot of real estate above. And so anyway, this thing uh, needs to stay above 1688. So that is of interest a little bit because it does have some potential that they could unlock if they get the people who run the company to, to, to maybe do something a little bit progressive. Um, another one that I've been keeping an eye on for you guys uh, because uh, they've got a very quality group uh, in there, the uh, Elliott Company. Uh, let me go back and do this again. Okay, this is a uh, PayPal. PayPal. And let's go to this thing here. Now you can see, you know, it's down in that lower area. So, you know, it's interesting, right? A little bit interesting, a little bit interesting. You know, because I, you know, I don't want to hear about stuff that's at three twenty that used to be at one twenty, and I don't want to have some guy sell me a newsletter because he's going to tell me, you know, he bought it at one twenty and sold it at three twenty. What's that do for me? He does he have another one that's going to do that? If he doesn't, I got very little conversation with the guy, right? So you know, I don't want to be chasing uh, hot trades from yesteryear or uh, crystal balls about what's going to happen next summer or anything like that. So again, those are two uh, cheapies that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Uh, for uh, for this year as well. But again, we uh, behind the curtain on all these ETFs I mentioned, we have a lot of individual issues that we're keeping an eye on that I think uh, most of you might find interesting as well. Uh, we share our views and our opinions. Uh, we're coming to the top of the hour. So this is time for me to do my little pitch. So I'll do my little pitch for you here. Uh, the optionprofessor.com. That's the website, optionprofessor.com. Um, that's how you can uh, go there and put in your information, including uh, email address and phone. 
And then basically, uh, you can let me know you'd like to talk. Now, what are we going to talk about? Well, we're going to have uh, PDF reports for you. What PDF reports do we have? We've got a PDF report on hedging, how to use uh, calls and puts to protect your portfolio from downside risk and upside surprises, because you can hedge against an upside surprise, which, like I told you, could very easily happen if this earnings season goes very, very well. Uh, number two is we have a list by sector of some of the favorite stocks we like. So we don't like every sector, but if we do like a sector, those are the kind of stocks we like. And that's our opinion. So we put that out there. And the third thing is, I think, the most important, and that is we can have um, one hour reviews of the markets where I give you my opinion and my view on things. And then basically you might show me things you're looking at or had lost money in the past or made money in the past. And I can do my own analysis and give you an idea on how I would have viewed it or, or looked at it. And that is very, very helpful to people who are either following newsletters or chat rooms and are just blind with all that information, not getting any outside interest. It's kind of like if you only watch Fox News or CNN, you only have one perspective. Same thing with investing. If you're only listening to one newsletter or one advisor or one guy, broker, or whoever you're listening to, then you don't have much of an outside perspective. I think after 40 years, we can provide a decent outside perspective. And that's basically the long and short of what we can do. And then we can have these updates quarterly. We can have these updates monthly, whatever you want to do. And we're not charging, you know, $10,000 and $5,000 and all kinds of stuff like that to talk to a guy once or twice or get a newsletter that has, you know, dated information or whatever. So we're very reasonable. I'm very proud of it. There's no doubt in my mind. It's a good deal in my view. So again, go to the website, optionprofessor.com, O-P-T-I-O-N-P-R-O-F-E-S-S-O-R, singular.com, optionprofessor.com. Put your information in. I'll check back with you. You'll, uh, we'll tell you what we can do. You can ask questions. I'll tell you what I can do for you. And if there's a match, obviously, that'd be great. And if there's not, wish you only the best of luck. Okay. All right, guys, thanks for being here today. Uh, this is the Option Professor signing off. Uh, hope to hear from a lot of you later today. And uh, again, uh, good luck and good trading this year. And let's hope we have a nice year and nice healthy year as well. Uh, Option Professor signing out. I'm going to give it back to David now.